Thanks for joining She Make Chicago, and welcome to our podcast highlighting the women makers and entrepreneurs who create our city. Let's top off our wine, as today we are hosted by our very own SMC board member, personal chef, and founder of Lovely by Lorna, Lorna Billion. <laughs> Lorna, so let's walk through the journey of how it is that you became a personal chef. Let's start from the beginning. Let's start from the beginning because you have almost 20 years experience, which is bananas. But also, when in that time period did you like shift gears? Did you ever think that you would be doing what you're doing now? Or was there like a significant moment where you're like, let's Um, redirect this ship? Right. Okay. So we'll go back to Lorna in high school. Um, in high school, everyone, when everyone started thinking about colleges and universities, and I went to an all-girl Catholic kind of college prep type school, everyone went to college. And I wanted to go to college, but I, I wanted to go to culinary school. I didn't know anybody that had gone to culinary school, but I knew I liked to cook. And I had been working at um, the Plush Horse in Payless Park which is an ice cream parlor. I started working there the summer in between eighth grade and freshman year of high school. Um, I had my parents sign, like, the guardian or whatever, the parent Because you were, like, too young. I was too young. Yes. I think I was getting paid four seventy-five an hour. Oh, my gosh. I know. Like, something ridiculous. Yeah. And we did get tips, but, like, it was, like, jar But it, was it, like, a server wage? No. Oh, that's <laughs> just... <laughs> I never put that together. Um, but yeah, and that was like the beginning wage. And then I'm like, you know, we, children. we would go home with like 10 bucks worth of like jar tips. And it was oh. like, and at the end of like two weeks, you would get like, I think I would get like 80 bucks or something ridiculous. And it was I felt rich, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was like, this is incredible! I can go and buy my own Sour Patch Kids Wait, or whatever. do you have anything you bought from that time with your Oh money? my god, no, I don't even know. It was junk, I bought junk. <laughs> I bought, like, my first thong, you know what I mean? Like, during those years, like, no, I don't, like, we bought junk, we bought cheap stuff, we bought candy, we would buy, like, get pictures in the photo booths mm. yeah oh, these are all with girls i i don't really talk to except on facebook now okay um but from those er- from that era god no i mean no i remember my first job i got my first job when i was 15 and i went to the buckle at the mall oh yes and i bought my myself my first pair of pants that actually fit me right because they mm-hmm. sold in like length because yeah, I always had high up. waters because I was super skinny and tall oh yeah and I I did keep my did first you? pair of pants I still have them I have my first top I ever bought <laughs> yeah it doesn't Shut fit up. it doesn't fit yeah my but it's like it's, and it's kind of like shredded down the side but I keep it, it I'm hangs a in closet. I'm a purger like I was I don't keep anything I like donate Every month, I'm like, three bags out. Let's go. And we go, I know. That's good. I'm a Is it? (laughs) 
it's good in my in my perspective. Yeah, you have these beautiful memories that you can be like you can like bring. I also have a Ouch. lot of, but shop. I also have a second bedroom closet that I can't open. So come over. <laughs> you, <laughs> have have you can't walk through. Oh. <laughs> 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 yes. <laughs> Actually, I did clean What's up. your hourly wage? Right, like, come over, please. Oh. Yeah. I seriously, I would do that for fun. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm skipping ahead. Okay, so I wait. Is this your story then? This, this is, is your story. story. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Dig in. Yay. <gasps> it's, it's vast. It's like I don't even know where to begin. Okay, so started working at the plush horse, mm-hmm. and I worked there. I also babysat. You know, like whatever. Like mm-hmm. we all. Do random things. I was the kid in high school that was like the people pleaser. And I did, I was people pleaser for my friends, for my family, for my neighbors. I be, I was the babysitter of the neighborhood. I was the girl that would water your plants if you went on the town. I would, I would watch your crazy son, you know, like I, I was the, that girl in the neighborhood and for work, will you come in at 4 a.m. and open up the, you know, plush horse and scrub it with bleach until everyone comes in at 7 in the morning or 8 in the morning? Sure, I'll do that. How much? We'll, we'll pay 10 bucks an hour to do it. Oh, yeah, that's an extra 40 bucks. I'm like, hell yeah. And I would, you know, I, I said yes to everything. Mm-hmm. I did it all. I had, mm-hmm. I, I planned... <laughs> all of our masses at, in high school and I was not religious and I just <laughs> liked to do it you like to like take things on yeah okay. and I like to say yes and I'm up for the challenge and I'm like how can I make this how can I make this ugly <laughs> mass that we normally have how can I make it cute <laughs> I can make it fun and sure sister Sue I'll take on that mass I'll do this and then we'd have, like, private conversations, her and I, and she'd be like, well, if you think that way, you're not Christian. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I constantly said yes. I was working, you know, and then I worked at Red Lobster when I was, like, 15, mm-hmm. maybe 16. And then I kept working at Plush Horse forever. Um, and then when I got to, I told my parents I want to go to culinary school. They said that was not real school. They laughed it off. They're like, we'll help you go to university. Um, you can go to every university you want. We'll help you go there. But we help pay for it. We won't help you if you decide to do that. And I didn't really think I had any other option mm-hmm. at that point. Because I didn't even know how to begin that kind of process. Because all of my friends, I grew up with very privileged. Even though I went to another Macaulay, that was all different um, incomes and different um, communities and was diverse. Um, my immediate circle were very privileged friends, um, and I didn't even know how to begin that process of like, I'm not gonna talk to my. Pa- I'm gonna disrespect my parents and go against what they say, and I'm gonna go to. I'm gonna pay for. I didn't know how to begin that. Yeah. So I I went to DePaul, mm-hmm. and one of my mother's requests was to not work in restaurants anymore. She said just focus on school. Of course, I didn't do mom that. Mom said, "Get out of the restaurant business." Yeah, did okay. she? Yeah, or no? No, yeah, my mom, mom did. My mom said mom. That. <laughs> it was like she, she did. Um, uh, my mom said, "Get out of the bar business." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, common. 
now, mind you, my I'm technically a third generation female bartender in Chicago. My mom was a bartender. My grandma was a bartender. My mom's a South Sider. My grandma's a South Sider. Mm. Um, my dad's from Croatia, so I'm first generation on that side. And then, uh, yeah, so they told me, don't work while you're in school. Focus, 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 focus. Doing sorority, took on everything, you know. I was vice president, I was sunshine chair, I was all these different chairs, whatever. Did it all. I'd cook Thanksgiving dinner for the sorority, of course. I was orientation leader. I was an overachiever in terms of, like, saying yes and social. And But I in school, I wasn't... I was stimulated in classes, but I really couldn't wait to, like, get to the bar, get to the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Because I'm tactile. Like, I'm a mm-hmm. tactile learner. I'm a very, like, hands-on... I just, I felt fried by being in school, and I kept changing my major. I changed it probably, like, six times. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. But I was just like, God damn it, I'm too much of a rebel. I can't do this shit. And then market crash happened, and my parents were like, we have to cut everything. My, My dad went from having, he owned a cabinet company. He went from having... 200, 300, 400 accounts a year to having 11. Oh, my gosh. Um, so people oh, who wow. people who are came, came from, like, a blue-collar family or families or, you know, parents who might have construction companies, mm-hmm. anything to do with um, construction for the most part. It in all halted. Chicago, it all halted and all came to a crash. And so they had to cut everything and... I had to go another year to finish my degree because I changed my freaking major so many times. And I was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to keep working and devastated my family. Kind of devastated myself, but it was the right decision for me at the time. Mm -hmm. And I kept working and I took it seriously. I went from like working bars and restaurants being kind of playing off being the cute girl mm-hmm. to saying, no, okay, how can I use this towards my advantage and actually like do something that would make my mother proud, make my grandmother proud and like show them that I can, this is what I originally wanted to do and I can do it. Mm-hmm. And while I can't get approved for a loan right now because the market's crazy, mm-hmm. um, I can probably figure out how to make this work towards my advantage and so that's what I did I continued to work I would nanny I'd cook for these families and I'd bartend at night I'd nanny during the day and bartend at night and or I'd serve at night and I would go to the kitchen and I would be annoying as hell (laughs) and I would ask a million questions I'd ask questions from the owners I'd ask the managers a million questions I'd if it was a slow day at work, I would practice whatever I could. Cocktails, um, you know, different recipes. I'd talk to the owners about different marketing ideas, and I would always get rejected. I just never stopped. Mm-hmm. And from bartending, that kind of switch, um, something kind of particular happened. This was back in, like, 2011, I was in Indiana for about a year for a relationship. 
and someone approached me. I was young. I was like 23, maybe 23, something like that, 24. Someone approached me and said, hey, you got great energy. Do you know about these cocktail competitions? And I was a young bartender, but I had been bartending for a while. And competitions weren't a thing. Mind you, I was a Chicago native, and I this was in Indiana. But, like, I didn't really know anything about these competitions because it really wasn't a big deal. And then they were like, we want to enter you. Basically, for Bombay Sapphire, um, you got to make a cocktail. This person gave me a few pointers. He was really kind, really, like, wanted to help me. He's like, I think you could win. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Anyway, so I entered. I won for the county, which was so fun. And then I won for the state, which was, like, a huge, cool thing to do. Because we're like, we're flying to Vegas. You're going to be featured in GQ magazine. And 10 years ago, that was a really big deal. Mm -hmm. Huge. That was huge. And... Maybe it would be a big deal now, too. Yeah. I still think yeah, that's yeah, a big deal. Yeah, I was going to say, that's, a, that's just a big deal, period. It, it, I will tell you, telling my parents, hey, all these years of bartending, and I know I didn't graduate, and I know I'm not doing what you wanted me to do, but look, I'm going to be in GQ next week. <laughs> you know? Um, they were like, they thought that was kind of cool. Okay. Um, so, but what that did for me professionally was it, I did put that on my resume and it was, I moved right back to Chicago after about a year in Indiana and I was like confident as hell. I mean, I was 25 now at this point, super confident, feeling on top of the world. And I'm like, I was, I'm in GQ. I did this cool thing. And I started applying everywhere and I was getting accepted to basically most places I wanted to go however even though I felt on top of the world and even though I felt like I had this wonderful opportunity I won this great thing I was part of this part of a competition of like 60 people and I think it was one of three or four women in the whole competition and I was I think I was maybe the youngest contestant probably I was also newly single so well, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, but that being said, um, even though I had all this, they had this great opportunity and it opened a lot of doors for um, employment opportunities, I was still a young woman. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a huge part of my story, which I continued to bartend and serve, but mostly bartend, which led to bar management, which led to a little bit of bar consulting. Um, I did a tiny bit of competitions, but it really wasn't my thing. I'm more about, like, competition within myself mm-hmm. than I am about, like, I'm going to make the best cocktail, but really they might be judging me based on, like, my personality or how much I'm the brand, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to necessarily change who I am for every single brand and every single competition. So I kind of ducked out of competitions pretty quickly, but... Being a young woman in this bar world was great in so many ways, but it I've often found myself saying, like, are these my people? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm 
I remember being told, like, oh, you're, like, the Disney princess bartender. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, like, Lorna, you're too happy. You're too, you know, whatever, you know. Or, oh, it's a shame that you're not friends with all of us because, like, they all would go out until, like, four or five, six, seven, you know, in the morning. Yeah, and it's because Mm I, you know, often I was working two, three jobs. Yeah. And I didn't have time. And, you know, I still had student loans to pay off. And, um, you know, I often worked two or three jobs. Even if I was bar managing, I would be nannying on the weekends or doing something. Mm -hmm. So I continued to do that, and I continued to go back to the kitchens and learn from chefs. I dated chefs. I was friends with chefs. I was also not friends with chefs. There was a lot of chefs that hated me. (laughs) Um, You know, they thought I was the most annoying person ever. (laughs) But guess what? I got a free culinary education over the span of, we'll call it, 11 years. You know, what most people would pay 100 grand for. I learned it from asking questions, being annoying, studying my ass off when I wasn't at work, writing things down when I was at work. I always had a journal on me. Always, always, always. And so I, I learned a lot, and I kept my my like focus kind of towards back of the house whether or not it was intentional or not I think everyone thought that I'd continue to have this beverage you know background in this beverage industry career and I always just felt like it wasn't just perfect for me most of the men were real shitty and within the women not all of them but many of them, it's like there's not even acceptance within that group either. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to try to make something fit for me that isn't fitting. When really, I love to cook. And I always kind of crafted my cocktails and my cocktail programs to reflect what the chef was doing. I had so much respect for the chefs that I worked for and what they were doing and all the craft and the teamwork behind each dish. And I would try my hardest to um, highlight that in cocktail programs and wine lists and things like that. So um, I learned so much. I made, I made a few wonderful friends and a shit ton of networking and acquaintances to this day where I'm kind of like, how do we know each other? Oh my God. <laughs> We met eight years ago, and you did that one thing, and I worked with you for two weeks, and I, you know, whatever. So, it's a really cool industry, as much as it maybe didn't work out for me. I did learn a lot, and I Mm -hmm. used it to my advantage. I spun it to where I can be like, okay, you know, I, um... But it led you to where you're supposed to go. I think so. And yeah. So, yeah. What was the What was the big moment where you decided to take that leap? What was there so, something that pushed you? Yeah, I got burnout. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's real. I mean, I got massive was it the burnout. bartender burnout or yeah. college burnout. Like it was one? bartender burnout, and I'll tell you exactly what it was. I was working for a restaurant that was about to open up another restaurant. Mm-hmm. I was doing the cocktail program at the existing restaurant, and I was going to go on and be, like, the bar manager for the new restaurant. And I had done a lot of work with them on creating a cocktail list and a wine list and creating, helping 
helping build the bar out, all that kind of stuff. Um, Helping, you know, talking about the opening. So you're really like an integral part of very much so. Yeah. And I was going to essentially be the beverage director for what would now be the company versus just the restaurant. It would Mm -hmm. now be a group, beginning of a group restaurant group. Um. So they had hired a manager. And you can guess what their gender was. <laughs> um, and they, this person had the biggest ego and was trying very hard to um, micromanage me and also kind of trump, that's the right word, everything I did. And duties that I had as a bar manager or bar beverage director, whatever you might call it, cocktail program, whatever it was. Um, some of those duties include, for example, you know, tasting. That's, those are the perks. Mm-hmm. It's like, you don't get many perks in the industry. And sure. I'm, I wasn't really a big drinker on the job. But having like a wine tasting with a rep is a nice little break in the day mm-hmm. and also an educational experience. And I really took those to heart. And they were kind of, and they were also, you know, open to staff in a lot of different ways. But this person started scheduling things like that without me or in front of me while I was working in the bar and doing little things like that. And then started talking about me saying that I was emotionally unstable when that was not true. Um, Started talking poorly about me. And when I voiced this to the ownership, they didn't do anything about it. They talked to this person about it. This, the owners were also male. They talked to this person about it. They listened to me. They also agreed that it was wrong. But they ultimately didn't do anything about it. And I had figured out that they just weren't going to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And in the end, I was like, okay, I'm either going to have to put up with this for my career. Or I'm taking this as get out and take some time to like do what you really want to do because are you really going to be happy doing this forever mm-hmm. are you really going to be happy juggling these like fragile male egos forever and also working crazy hours sometimes and working till 4 a.m i'm so interested to see if this is like an overlap and many yeah. women's stories i think it is i it think really it really is. is i mean I, it is for me i talked with this with this amazing young woman the other it was last night was it last night i don't even know <laughs> i think it was last night and her and i just talked for hours we were, i was at our neighborhood restaurant and she we're like we have the same story it's just two years apart yeah and just in different you know whatever mm-hmm. but so this happened and i just could see it i'm like they're not gonna they're not gonna stick up for me and I'm sticking up for myself, but I either have to swallow it and deal with it, and what's the outcome? Like, what is it going to be worth it? No, it's not. Mm-hmm. Because you know what? They're not going to pay me that much. It's not sustainable. It's right? not sustainable, and, and all these different things, right? And I was like, you know what? And in the end, there were enough things that had happened that were, like, just wrong, and if it, this, if it was 2019 after Me Too, they would have been called the fuck out. Mm-hmm. That being said, they also were really kind to me in a lot of different ways. But, um, and I learned a lot and I had a lot of great opportunities working there. But it was the tipping point where I was like, nope, 
fuck this guy (laughs) (laughs) and fuck this. And so I was dating somebody at the time. I was in a long-term relationship. Um, They were also a chef, also experienced burnout. And I said, hey, I've got a little money saved up. Would it be okay if I took some time off? And they said, yeah, do what you gotta do. And that lasted about two weeks. And I said, I need to do something. And so I answered uh, an ad on like Craigslist or something like that. Like, hey, we're looking for someone to help us out around the holidays. Our nanny is sick. We need someone to like watch our kid and maybe help with some like slightly personal assistant kind of stuff. Like, or like help with like wrapping Christmas gifts or stuff like that or just stuff around the house. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I can do that. That's Mm -hmm. no problem. And then I started cooking for them. And then a friend told me, hey, there's a part-time job open at the cooking school in Lincoln Park and Whole Foods. I think you'd like it. I think they just need someone to help clean. And I know you, you just, like, want a change of scenery. I think you'd be perfect for it. That friend is Mandy, and she is, like, the most amazing person in my life. And she just, like, she knows who I am. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, one of those people that, like, mm-hmm. knows, like what's best for you yes they have that insight into like your future somehow <laughs> we and we are really connected into where we don't live in the same state anymore and whenever one of us calls we said literally just thinking about you <laughs> you know yeah and it's just like ugh, she's incredible anyway applied got the job and pretty quickly my boss was like, you need your own program. And I took it and I ran with it. And I created a cooking class program, entertaining at home series. I created a bar program. And I think, I believe I am the only bartending and mixologist instructor for the entire company, I think in history. I don't think like the whole, whole, I I could never find anything. I know that they had people come in and teach and then occasionally that, you know, maybe the specialty program at Whole Foods would try to teach some kind of a seminar, but their job was never instructor. Mm-hmm. I had a unicorn job. I had it for three years. I still would bartend on the side. I would cook for families on the side. And I would get calls, hey, do you want to cater this at home? Like, quote-unquote cater. Do you want to come cook Easter for our family? Okay, sure. How much? Sure. Okay. Um, always hustling, always doing three jobs, two, three, four, whatever. And then I got burnout at Whole Foods because it was corporate as hell. And I was getting, I had a a lot of leniency and it was a really wonderful job, but I was, I was make, I was, I had an hourly Mm -hmm. and I would throw on these incredible programs and incredible classes where I'm like how much did we make the cooking school and I'd look at it and I'm like holy shit I can do this I can I can do this and maybe that was cocky I think it was a little cocky (laughs) because once I left and tried doing everything on my own I was like oh my god (laughs) I had an instagraphic artist like I don't know what I'm doing in that department. And I had an in-store 
specialty team person that could help me select things and, you know, all those little things that you didn't realize that were helping you out maybe along the way. I think that was maybe just me being in my 20s and a little bit naive, mm-hmm. a little bit, um, little bit arrogant, if I could be real about that. Like, I think that was a little bit arrogant about myself to think I could do it totally on my own. Um, but I wasn't too far off. I was like, I think I could... I think I could do something like this on my own. And so by this time I had met Eric and I was like, I, and I had broken my pinky. I had opened up a restaurant also part-time and I had broken my pinky and I had to take time off of work for three months. I couldn't work anywhere for three months because I couldn't use my left hand. So that was another tipping point. (laughs) It literally took me like breaking my hand and not being able to do anything. And I ultimately, in <laughs> three months, was like, I don't want to go back to working for other people. Mm-hmm. I've done it for about 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I am smart. I am qualified. I cre- I create beautiful programs and beautiful moments and all these different things for other people and I don't get paid enough like all these things were like just so obvious right I'm like okay well and I was cooking for people on the the side and you know pocketing it and I was like okay well I have all these people who are interested but I've always had to say no to them because I don't have enough time what if I just say yes? If I take the money I have saved aside and I just start saying yes and I see how it goes. I'm like, I can always pick up a job, right? I can always work part-time doing something. Mm-hmm. And so I just did it. And I put in my notice at Whole Foods and my boss was super supportive. She's a great friend of mine. We are collaborating on projects <laughs> all the time. <laughs> and yeah. I just started, and I started saying yes to everybody. Again. Again. And now I'm in this new, like, portal kind of moment. We're about to start a new decade, and I'm getting... I've gotten very comfortable in the last year of saying no. And, Mm. I mean, the answer is always yes. Yes, this is what I can do for you. But this is only what I can do for you. And in that way, I do say no. So, and it's been a really interesting awesome crazy wonderful few years that I've been independent but I've ultimately been it's been a backbeat like it's been like a like right in the background I've kind of always been doing this I've always been cooking and providing services like this and planning and mm-hmm. creating and all that like kind of in stuff. hindsight you can kind of see the stars align but going there I always feel I feel like that's when you know you're finally like succeeding is when you can start saying no yeah like I think so too yeah because it's a it's kind of hard it's I'm a yes person too in general but it's especially hard as an entrepreneur to like once you say it once too and then you're like oh okay I can I'm finally there like Mm -hmm. I turning down stable money essentially (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. For either happiness or personal pleasure or priorities, yeah, health. And I think it takes saying yes to the wrong people, mm-hmm. and it, it, to the wrong projects. Mm-hmm. It takes 
And my mom is the one that, that told me about this. She was, or she like reminds me of these, these kind of themes where she was, I told her about a client I worked with a couple of years ago and how this is before I included something into my contract that says I'm not responsible for outside food. Mm-hmm. And they brought in, we had agreed upon a menu. We had agreed upon all these different things. And they kind of talked me down in price and talked me down in certain stuff. And though we wanted just really simple. You're kind of maybe being more elaborate than you, than you need to. We're real simple. And then they brought in all this like outside food of stuff that I had offered and asked me to plate it with their stuff. And it was so chaotic and I just ended up saying yes. Mm. And the thing is, they weren't wrong. They did what they wanted to do. I didn't have it in my contract. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They weren't wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you just hadn't figured out that step yet. I hadn't figured that I out. I experienced it. And to where I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm never doing that again. Yeah. yeah. And... And you know what? They were totally cool. And I actually ended up charging them more for my um, my time because I said it took me more time to do this. And they were like, you know what? We t- uh, totally understand. And they, and they just sent it right over. It was not even an argument. Mm-hmm. That gave me more value in myself. And then I, I kind of reflected on this two years later with my mom. And I was like, oh, yeah. So since then, I've updated it in my contract that I'm not responsible for outside food. My mom said, well, that's why you did that. That's why you took that job, was to teach you that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it takes sometimes, I think, a mom or an elder to just, like, put it into some simple Point perspective out. like that. And be like, well, that's why you did it. That's why you dated him. You know, like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that like, sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, I mean, if you, didn't, yeah. if you didn't date him, you wouldn't be who you are now. I mean, it's that kind of little sentiment where you're like, okay, like, I did that for a reason. And I learn and I grow from it. The growing pains. Yeah. But that's ultimately, like, the span of how it happened. Okay, so let's change gears. If I was a client. Yeah. And I was coming to... You know my elevator pitch? Mm, <laughs> more so, like, what does the job entail itself? Like, not just your pitch initially to get business, but, like, you already have my attention. I okay. want to work with you. So how does, like, your work unfold? Because I really, one of the things that I appreciate about you so much is the fact that you do curate, like, a personalized experience. Yeah. So, like, what is that? Yeah. How How does it work? Okay, so I just had an email come in, word of mouth, hey, you work with my friend, da 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 I got, like, eight text messages being like, hey, my friend's going to email you. (laughs) And so I followed up with this person. They said, hey, um, I'm looking for meals to be made for XX reason, like, you know, nutrition or um, health reasons or I'm busy or I've got, I just had a kid or I just took on a new job or whatever. My partner is... You know, giving you some background. Give me a little background. And for whatever reason, typically for personal chef experiences, um, services, I should say, because um, experiences are more so like a, a dinner or a lunch or a supper, right? For a service, typically weekly or biweekly experience or a service, I'm sorry. Um, I offer meal prep. 
sometimes fresh meals made. So maybe I meal prep during the day and then at night I have dinner ready for you, for your family, whatever it might be. Um, sometimes I'm in your home and I'm just making a ton of snacks for you to bring because you have severe allergies and it's really hard for you to snack or maybe you are about to have surgery and you need meals that are catered to what you can eat before your surgery and what you can eat after your surgery. So with this client, I took in a little bit of what is going on in their life and then from there, I send them a questionnaire, kind of goes over you know, what kind of diet do you have out of all of these vegetables? What will you eat out of all? I mean, it's pretty intense. What kind of salt preference do you like? Do you, are you, do you have a sweet tooth? Do you like to use natural sugars? Do you, if you do have a sweet tooth, is it like occasional indulgence? Do you like maple and honey? I mean, it's everything. Um, do you follow a specific diet? Are you truly strict about that diet or do you occasionally cheat? Mm. Like, do you have any dietary um, digestion issues? Please be honest with me. If you don't poop, tell me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, do you, you get ki- really personal? Yeah. Do your kids, are, are your kids on fiber supplements? Mm-hmm. Tell me. They don't have to be. Mm-hmm. We can get, we can make a cookie for them that. It's going to help with that. Like, little things like that. Um, are you lacking in energy? I'm not a nutritionist, but I am. I will spend a week reading about your needs and, and issues. I'll talk with your doctor. Mm-hmm. I will read the pamphlet that you were given. I will read the manual you are given. And I will essentially, I try to take my front of house hospitality experience, which is, kindness and openness and being genuine and trying to make your experience pleasurable and fun like what I'm doing should also make you happy mm-hmm. and should make you like smile and should like make your belly like happy you know like you should really enjoy it um if you're just eating for calories or nutrition maybe what I'm doing is not right for you because I do want you to be happy with what you're eating so it's also kind of slightly assessing their mental state too like where are you at like am I going to be enabling an eating disorder am I going I mean it's really more complex than people think Mm -hmm. and I do spend so much time um evaluating all of that and if I'm in their home what hours are going to be best that I'm in your home? Not just for me, right? Not just for my, like, circadian rhythm and like, all that. But also, like, do you have a screaming two-year-old mm-hmm. who, like, really is not okay with strangers and disrupting their daily routine? Do you have, like, a dog that, like, is not cool with strangers? Do you have um, a partner that just really is kind of an introvert and just... Maybe is never going to get to know me because of their work schedule, and they just kind of don't want me there when I'm, mm-hmm. like, when they come home. Mm-hmm. Like, all these things are okay, and they're all something that I need to think about. So instead of just saying, this is what I do, I come in at this time for every single person, I do this, I make this, I did it out, no questions asked, I say, no, I charge a bit more than the competition, but this is why, because I am going to not only assess all these things and I'm going to care about all these things, but I'm also going to 
stay updated with you because you're going to change and your family's going to change and your all the dynamics are going to constantly change. And I'm going to constantly take all that into account so that you never, you don't even have to really think about it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm one, I'm a luxury, but I'm like one less thing that you have to worry about on your list. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And if that means for you. That's the trade-off. That's the trade-off. It's like, yeah, it's like maybe rent for somebody. Who knows? I don't even know. I don't even know. Mm-hmm. But like whatever your income is, if it's a priority to you to like eat healthfully, happily, and mostly stress-free, I will make that work for you. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you if I can't. So you really um, mentioned earlier that you had like a notebook that you carried around to work with so you all the time. Many. Do you still notebook and I journal? Because you're studying these people's lives, not just like what they're eating yeah, or I, their preferences, I but like so many the comings and goings of everything. And I had a client, so she's incredible. So I will tell you, most of my clients are incredibly successful, and my clients are women. Whether or not they're married or whatever, like, I work with women. Mm-hmm. My person in contact is a woman. I work for and with women, which I love. And they're all badass. They're all amazing in, what, in everything that they do. They're incredible in their careers. They're incredible partners. They're incredible mothers. And they're just, like, they inspire me a lot. One of them who's incredibly successful in their career, um, she asked me, she's like, how do you keep all this in your head? How do you, how do you remember all of this? How do you know how to make all of these different things? And I was like, well, the internet is real. YouTube Mm -hmm. is a thing I use. And like, if I don't know how to do something, I try to research it and figure it out. I do have a few binders of recipes I do have several things saved on my phone Mm -hmm. there are many many more things that are just part of my like my memory like my long-term memory and in terms of like all of the little pieces of the puzzle right of each family each client um that help make it a beautifully curated experience for them every week week after week I will say half of it's probably memory, and yes, I write. I have, I probably have like 50 notebooks and pads of paper and post-its, and I just have like constant, I'm constantly writing stuff down. When I'm at a restaurant or a bar, I'm writing things on, I'm like, can you give me a piece of receipt paper? Mm -hmm. And I learn by writing things down, even if I throw it away. Mm -hmm. Just writing it down helps me. Mm -hmm. Um... I have a bit of a photographic memory. I can kind of remember what I wrote if I wrote a recipe down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that whole wine box over there is just full of crazy papers. And about, like, once every two weeks, I go through it, and I will put some of it into my binder. If it was a recipe, I will translate some of it if I need to. And <laughs> this poor living room, my poor sweet Eric... <laughs> It's covered. It's covered in different <laughs> stacks, and it's like a stack of recipes, a stack of savory recipes, but then that's divided into like 12 different things, and a stack of <laughs> sweet recipes, and that's divided into 12 different things. A stack of recipes that I don't think I'll ever use, but maybe 
I like the idea of it. Like, just weird, different things, right? We all think so crazily and weird. Um, and, yeah, I write, I write things down, and I also just, I think because it's so important to me to make people happy, that I remember the things that would make me happy. Like, if I, if I was telling somebody, you know what, like, my kid just loves, could eat broccoli every single day. This is, like, a very, like, small, tiny little thing. And I just make sure I have broccoli in their fridge every single week. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what? My kid really loved those muffins you made. And so every time I see their kid, if I bend down and I say, hey, I heard you like muffins. Do you want to help me make muffins? Like, something small like that. Or if, like, their kid has an interest in what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Telling mom, hey, why don't you take 10 minutes and I'm going to have them make those muffins with me. First of all, I find it fun. As someone Mm -hmm. who taught cooking classes to children also and worked with kids forever, (laughs) I think it's hilarious and, like, fun to work with a kid, especially if it's for 10 minutes. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) And mom gets 10 minutes to herself do whatever the hell she wants to do. Yeah. To go to the bathroom alone. I don't know what it is. You're a godsend. But, like, it's... Now, sometimes that might blur lines, Mm -hmm. but ultimately I think it strengthens my relationships and I have become, I feel like, part of the family with a lot of my clients and therefore even if, like, their needs change over time, I will always be part of the story. I will always be someone that they recommend to other people Mm -hmm. because those moments are genuine and, like, I remembered that, like, I remember the conversation I have alone with mom, typically mom, about, you know, how, whatever, usually about kids or partners or whatever. I remember what they're talking about and I take it into account into like my service and I try to make it count and make it, apply it in that way. It's funny. I read an article once about how women CEOs are more successful in a lot of ways and they attributed it to empathy. Mm-hmm. And, like, um, a part of me was, like, I don't like that they're gendering empathy. Like, yeah, like that's you know, screwed up, right? <laughs> yeah, but it is interesting because I do think that on a societal and, like, cultural level, we're nurtured as women to be nurtured. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it is interesting how that... Like you were saying earlier, like you had a coworker that was like, "Oh, she's emotionally unstable." Right. I feel like that's like something we hear as women often. Like you're too emotional, right? But it's fascinating to me because it is something that you're hyper aware of. Like right. you do want to take care of the people around you, and like especially working with other women, what an asset. You know what I mean? Because it's true. people forever, mm-hmm. it's been something. That has been seen as a negative. Mm-hmm. And, like, like we look at what the president of New Zealand... Yeah. I feel like she embodies this. Yeah. Know? Like, look what a woman who embraces her empathy mm-hmm. and projects it into her country, look what that does for 
a culture, like a like a generation or whatever. Like what yeah. that does. But that's yeah. also how you're describing your business, where mm-hmm. it's not it's not a business, it's not a service, it's not about money. It's really about like getting to know you and your family and your needs and how like I can help that is yeah. your approach, which is totally different. Yeah, it's an experience. Is I think what mm-hmm. I ultimately kind of try to bring home and I got an inquiry the other day hey can you do a Concord Hall or something catering I go oh I'm so sorry I would absolutely love to do that I'm not a caterer I offer in-home chef experiences let me know if you ever but you might keep one in mind yeah mm-hmm. and it's I think the experience kind of I'm not a, like a short order chef I'm not a short order cook you know doesn't work out long term like that but to kind of get back onto like empathy that women mm-hmm. that we women oh man it's just it's something that like I think especially being in the restaurant and bar industry it's not embraced as much as it should be and I get a, I've gotten a lot of male executive chefs, to be honest, of restaurants, but just male chefs have reached out to me, like acquaintances and friends, like, hey, if you ever need help, or hey, I'd like to learn more about what you do, and I'm always, and I shouldn't assume, but my gut makes me wonder It makes me just question it because I'm like, I don't think you would like what I do. Because mm-hmm. what I do is not, I don't show up and cook and leave. I am part of their family in so many different ways. And I I follow up and I get text messages and I get text messages all week long. Yeah. Hey, I loved mm-hmm. this. And hey, and I follow up with a, how's your dad feeling? And mm-hmm. it's just so much more than that right and that's why I kind of almost say I'm almost like a nanny mm-hmm. you know it's almost like that kind of it's like part of the family you're like caregiving through food yeah, yeah. like n- nurturing the family yeah lots and it's just I'm like and I don't think you'd be okay with like changing a kid's diaper so that they can eat dinner <laughs> <laughs> you know like well, and that's not part of my job description I'm like yes but I'll do it <laughs> Culinary arts is a male-dominated industry, isn't it? Hell yeah. Yeah, big time. I mean... Higher roles, I would say, right? Yeah. Because it's, you're used to seeing women in server roles or bartender. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, so there's this... I don't know which award... I don't know if it's like Jean Van or I don't know which awards it was, but there's um, a man in the industry, and his name is Charles Schumann. And he was recently, like, awarded some kind of, like, an idol of the year, right? And then something surfaced to to where he recently said, like, women don't belong behind the bar. Most men are all, like, idols. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm paraphrasing. Like, Mm -hmm. all um, important icons behind the bar are are men. And women don't belong behind the bar after 3 p.m., which I was given a lot of brunch shifts. I also took a lot of brunch shifts because I made really good money. Um, but 
I mean, what he says is is laughable amongst women who are in, in my industry because we've heard it all in some kind of a way. He was just really blunt about it, mm-hmm. but we've all kind of gotten that vibe in different forms, right? And women have kind of created this hashtag, this movement being like, women behind women behind the bar after 3 p.m. <laughs> and I'm like, what's this about? What are my, my, my ladies from this bar industry? Um, what, are they, what are they all about? And so I looked into this, and I was just like, oh, my gosh. Anyway, I feel like I'm going on a tangent. But this man was quoted at saying that women don't belong in this industry. And it's just been incredibly it was a kind of cool reminder it's literally that was happened this week where I'm like you know like yeah a lot there's a lot of men and I mean just people Mm -hmm. who I don't know in this service industry and everything where they don't really um take you seriously I've been, like, making notes of, like, different characteristics, like, different traits that I feel like it takes to make an entrepreneur, things Mm. that you've touched base on, and it's interesting, because I really want to see as the podcast progresses, like, where the overlap is, and, like, what moves people to become entrepreneurs, and, like, because I do think you have to, there's, some of it's a little bit innate, like, we learn, but, like, hungry to learn like I keep thinking about your note taking and research I feel like Mm -hmm. I always joke around and say like I'm a creep like I always creep on everybody before I meet with them I do hardcore too but (laughs) you're the FBI I get like a full background (laughs) report on something we've been talking about yeah but I I mean it's so helpful yeah and if you're I feel like that's how you learn is like research 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 like I appreciate that about like, how you even got into this industry and learning because um, I know so many people that went to college. Yeah. It's such a young age to decide what you want to do for the rest of your life. Right. And so, <laughs> so many people I know have degrees that are useless. They're doing yeah. something completely, completely different. different. I don't, I think most people I know are doing something completely different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But and maybe it's just who I align myself with, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, but yeah, no, yes. or most people I know, maybe even now in their 30s, are like, I'm doing something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Well, and anymore, you almost, like, if you do what you stick with, you almost need a master's degree anymore to, anymore. like, make it actually, like, meaningful because the degrees are so generic. You can find something. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, there's also something to be said about, like, the way that you learned. It's, like, not traditional. You went right. back behind into the kitchen you're asking questions you're just like relentlessly curious and I think that's like self self educating is everything you know we mm-hmm. have we live in the information age like you can google anything yeah. you can teach yourself anything and people forget that yeah mm-hmm. like I have clients sometimes that are like oh I'm not a tech person I fucking hate technology I didn't even get tech text messaging until like god I don't know like five years ago I know you said something really <laughs> scary to me so you're like huh <laughs> yeah but I work in the tech industry because mm-hmm. I'm doing graphic design and so like I'll have clients that are like how do you do this or like my website is doing this and I'm like 
But now every time you're just like, I'm going to learn how to do this. And then you do. Yeah. Instantly. But but it's funny to me because I'm like, you should know that I don't know how to do that. But you're asking me and I just Googled it. Like, it's that simple. Sometimes it's really that simple. Yeah. Not always. Not always. Sometimes it's also, you're like, well, I'm not that person. Or, you know, well, okay, so how to get into entrepreneurship is that, I mean, I don't even know. I don't know. I, I, I think there has to be something in you that eventually is like, I can do this. Or I want to do this on my own. I think you have to have that. It's funny, too, because I feel like in college you learn to research yeah. independently. But then in entrepreneurship, you learn, I don't need to be the expert at everything. everything. I have resources. So, like, then Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, I could Google this and teach myself how to do it. But I actually know somebody that... can do that. Yeah. And I can also either collaborate and say, hey, Mm -hmm. we'll both get paid. Can I do this? Can I pay you to do this? Or, I mean, let's be real, especially when you're starting out. And I'm still like this. I'm like, can we do a trade? Yeah. You know, because sometimes I'm like, you know what? I'm happy to do a trade if you are. And I get um, people ask me that often. And often I'm like, you know what? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. yeah. Like, for sure. Because in the end, it ends up being almost the same exchange in cash. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you almost form a better bond with somebody when it's a bit of a trade. I do think you have to be careful with that. Mm-hmm. and kind of create boundaries but um, yeah. but you know it's yeah I think you can learn that stuff in college for sure but just even just the experience just kind of like you know I don't know it's just like I think you just have to also start taking projects on mm-hmm. I think it also took me saying I'm gonna do something I'm gonna say yes to this and I'm I'm not prepared for this at all. I have nothing. I have none of the tools I need to do this. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't even think I have a friend that can spare the time to help me with this. I don't know how to make half the stuff that they're asking me to make. <laughs> I mean, this is real. Like, especially at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Now I'm so much more being like, you know what? I don't have the time to figure out how to do that. This is what I can do for you. And da 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 da, right? Mm-hmm. I had someone ask me to basically make them an entire meat roast spread, which I was like, that ain't me. It's just not me. You know what I mean? I'm like, but I know someone that will do that, and they're a butcher and they're amazing. Not one of those butchers. <laughs> Female butcher. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it also takes, you know, if maybe you're someone that didn't go to university or college or whatever Mm -hmm. you don't have that kind of backbone I don't think hope is lost by any means Mm -hmm. I think it's more so taking a little bit more time than to whether use the internet talk to people be very 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 prepared to hear a lot of no's or get be ignored Cause some and and it's not it's all it's all people. A lot of people either don't have the time, they're annoyed, mm-hmm. or they don't fully understand why you're reaching out. 
And sometimes people will. Sometimes people will reach out back and be like, hey, yeah, whatever. Like, I've met up with people for coffee. Be like, I'll meet up with coffee or meet up for coffee with you and tell you everything I know. Um, but I think it's important to, you can't do it alone. You know what I mean? Like, you can't do everything no, alone. No. And even if you are a freelancer and you're independent and you do your own thing, I don't think you could. I think it's important to either outsource those resources like you were talking about, Melody, or it's like, Mm -hmm. and be comfortable with that. Be like, you know, I don't do this, but so-and-so does, and we can work together and help provide this for you. Mm -hmm. Or passing along. But I do think an like a really good, I think a really great entrepreneur says yes to the hard stuff at the beginning. And that whole kind of fake it till you make it is like, that shit is real. (laughs) You know? It's like, I don't, because nobody just emanates perfection at the beginning. You just have to kind of keep trying. And, you know, unless you're Beethoven, it's just like not, (laughs) it's not real. So it is for the weak, but it's also for the weak who are also strong. You know, you have to be both, Mm -hmm. you know, and you have to be comfortable with saying that you're both. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It was so good. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you did it. Like, that's, our, that's our mantra. <laughs> yeah. We did it. We did it. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, my God. As always, we hope you continue with us on this journey as we chat with other Chicago women on the make. Subscribe to our podcast here and our newsletter at SheMakesChicago.com. And be sure to follow us on social at SheMakesChicago for more opportunities to get involved in our community because we want to connect with you.